0: Hi, I'm Marty Grisani, and this is The Marty Grisani Show. As a full-time real estate investor and business owner, I have a real fascination of finding the key principles for business success and personal development. This show is a reflection of my personal mission to find out what truly makes somebody successful in business and in life. We will find tools and tactics that they've used to reach those levels. If you're the type of person is not satisfied with average, and you have a hunger for learning that will never cease, this show is for you. Welcome to the show. This is not power play. Power play, obviously, we get right into it, you know, right away. <laughs> <laughs> not that we can't get right into it, but it's kind of fun actually talking with you. I think you're the first one from the power play that I've had on the show, Mark. That's so, awesome. Yeah. And uh, that's cool. Yeah, it well, is I cool. Appreciate it. Yeah, dude. Well, there's some exciting things <laughs> happening, right? There's a book coming out. So tell. Tell me, tell everybody, because this is honestly, we haven't talked about it. We really haven't talked about it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you knew I was working on it when we uh, connected up in February. Um, God, I didn't realize how long the process takes. The editing process takes uh, for about three months, four months almost. It just sat there. So, um, yeah, I'm excited. It's called uh, Creative Real Estate Investing. It's going to be on Amazon. It's launching October 21st, um, so of... um, So I'm really excited about it. So kind of get into details on which you guys know I've been doing real estate banking for many, many years. I started out in real estate banking back in 1995. So I'm showing my age here a little bit.
0: Well, you've been doing creative stuff since, I mean, your first deals were creative. I mean, you don't, you kind of came over, you came about this before. You know, now it's so hot with like Pace Moore be talking about sub twos and, you know, it's, it's like the, the new hotness is creative real estate. and That's great. I'm glad people can find this out now with YouTube, but you didn't have those luxuries, oh, Mark. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> Take us back. Take us back
1: to the you beginning. I do know how I did my first one, and I don't know. I'm sure it was all screwed up. I was 19 years old. So this is my first one. I used like, I did the old Carlton sheets. It's probably, I'm showing these kids, young kids probably don't know what it is, but it was an infant commercial back in the day. You know, it was like, you buy, you get your books and cassettes and there was a course. Like we didn't have the internet. So we had the old libraries back in the day. So did the Carlton sheets and I didn't know what I was doing. So I ordered some yellow bandit signs. I, you know, I was up in uh, Vermont. I, that's where I grew up in a small little town. So I put them on these, you know, the telephone poles, Hey, we buy houses, we buy houses, no clue what I was doing. And um, this lady, this guy calls me up. He goes, Hey, I got this mobile home for sale. It's worth 20. I don't remember where it started out. It's worth $21,000. I'll sell for $18,000. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm not interested in a mobile home. You know, I wanted a single family home because that was the model that I was learning under the Carlton sheets. I mean, this goes way back before 1995 was um, 19 years old. So then what happened was he called me back like a a month, no, not even a month, like a week or two later, it goes, Hey, it's worth $21,000. Give me $15,000 for it. I'm like, no, I'm not interested. Um, So probably a month goes by. He calls me back again. He goes, give me $12,000. For it. I said, uh, well, do you own the land? He goes, no, it's in a mobile home park. I go, no, I'm not interested, even though the numbers, you know, now i would probably jump into it. But back then I said, no. Right. So another month goes by. He calls me up. He goes, give me $6,000 for it. <laughs> and I found out he doesn't live in it. And he had lot rent. and He couldn't afford a lot rent. I said, you know what? I'm not interested. He goes, come on. I go, all right, this is what I'll do. I'll give you 3000 for it. He goes, no, it's worth more than that. I go, I'm not interested. So I kept saying I wasn't interested. So he knew I wasn't. He goes, all right, I'll take 3000 I said, all right, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go ahead, uh, do a contract. I'm going to send somebody out there, um, do an inspection, and then we'll just get the contract signed. Hang up. This was back before the internet. I put a classified ad in the newspaper, mobile home for sale, $25,000, owner financing $3,000 down, financed uh, like over seven years. So I, um, went in, put, put the ad up, had somebody out, go out and look at it. I had to go to a, a, uh, Staples, if you will. I don't know if it was what it was called back then. I had to go to one of those places, get a contract, go meet the guy, so a lady calls me up. She goes, hey, I'm really interested. Uh, her and her child and her boyfriend, whatever, wanted to go into this property. So it worked out sweet. They wanted the property. They gave me $3,000. I went and gave it to the seller, <laughs> created a note, and I, I collected um, $273, $273 a month. That pay, was my car payment. Back in the day, for seven years, and I was 19 years old. I had no clue what I was doing. I'm sure the paperwork was all screwed up, but that was my first deal. <laughs> That's incredible.
0: I mean, to think that you must have been really good at math, or, or you had, you, or you were just following the Carlton Sheets kind of playbook. Um, how do you even think about financing down? Like I have, I, I just started figuring that stuff out. You know, it, we don't get taught this stuff in school, obviously.
1: No. no. Actually, I take it back a little bit further. How I really learned this at, started at the age of 15, I started at Mc, Mickey D's, McDonald's. At the age of 15, $3.05 an hour. So I worked really hard and I worked myself up into management. Um, I ran um, at the age of 18. I was running a store with 170 employees. I was a senior in high school. <laughs> Seriously. And that's that, but insane. you learn business. They take you through all their schooling and that step-by-step. Step. That's why I know how to put all these processes in places. You know, that's why you guys, you know, I've always helped you guys out because I understand about the processes of putting, and it's just step-by-step. Step, and I learned that, but you learn numbers, um, at that age, but honestly, at that age at 19, I didn't respect the dollar. So I'd blow money stupidly. We sure. all did at that age, yeah. you know what I yeah. mean? Until you kind of learn. So that was my first, that's how I learned the numbers. That's how I figured it out, um, you know, because it was it was different because it was like almost like a motor vehicle transaction because there was a title and everything. You know right. what I mean? Right, right. So it was a different prospect. So then um, I that was my first deal. And then um, probably five years went by. And then I was still with Mickity's and I was transferring down to the Washington, D.C. area. I was going to be in charge of like 180-something stores. But I took some time off and I took this course um, for loan originating. Uh, because I wanted to learn more about real estate, the instructor liked me. He said, hey, why don't you come work for me? I ended up going to work for him. Um, I was there for about a year and a half and met two guys. Um, We started our own mortgage company. We blew that up to 107 loan officers. Wow. We had our own warehouse line. So that's how I really got into doing um, real estate. And then that's how Mm -hmm. I learned these different strategies is because a lot of my clients – were investors, and I was watching how they're doing, and I started got to become friends with them. So I learned different strategies. My first strategy um, was what's called a sandwich lease option.
0: Why don't you go into that? Why don't we? Why don't you? Yeah, run run us through uh, what a sandwich lease is, and then can you give us an example?
1: Sure. Um, an example was back then, you know, as a loan officer, um, let's say in the late '90s or even 2000, when the market slowed down, kind of what we're going into now. When the market slowed down, the sellers couldn't sell their properties. So if a house was sitting on the market for roughly about 90 days plus, um, they'll be open to doing something. And my only strategy I knew at that time was just lease options. I didn't know about contracts for deeds, subject tos. I learned that stuff later on over time. But um, so I was talking to people I'd say, hey, I'll buy your home from you on a rent to own. they will be like, well, I need my money because I got to go buy another property, you know, put money down. Well, I was in the, you know, I was in the real estate banking. I'm saying, okay, I'm a licensed loan officer. Why don't we refinance your property? We'll go up to like 85 percent loan to value, and um, and then you can take that cash and go buy your other property. So I refinance the loan. Uh, at the time, the rates were around seven and a half percent, kind of where they're at going now. <laughs> and I would do a uh, an arm on it, so I'd do a two year arm on it. So. And then I didn't have to make my first payment to them for almost 45, 60 days because when you do a refinance, you don't, your first payment, you're getting a little bit of a grace period. Right. So I made money off that refinance. Okay. Then, um, oh, by the way, since your new home, I want to be, do that loan. So I'd made money off that loan. And then I would do what's called the sandwich lease option. So I take that property and I go under contract with the seller, with me and my company, and it allows me to sublet. The property to a, I call it a tenant buyer. So let's say back then it was two hundred thousand, and actually I think this one might have been two hundred thousand. So the property is worth two hundred thousand. I negotiated down to like one ninety, okay, and I made the payments. um I went and made whatever the mortgage payment was. I don't remember. Say it's like a thousand dollars. So I would make the payments on behalf. We made it directly to the seller. So then what I would do is I would go find a tenant buyer, somebody that has a really good income, but they have a challenge with the credit. So it usually takes them anywhere 18, 24, possibly 30 months, depending on the credit getting situated. Mm -hmm. So then I turn around and market that property uh, to a a tenant buyer for $230,000. So I had a $40,000 spread there. Yes. So, and then my tenant buyer, oh, by the way, you got to do first month, last month security. And a five percent option fee down, so I was getting roughly almost eight to ten thousand dollars up front. So I made money on up front. On a, that's why I like lease options because you make money up front because they have to put a down payment. And I, and I, my first seller, my I didn't have to make a payment to the seller for almost sixty days. Right.
0: So you need that's a great that's a great way to structure it too. You it's really nice. Obviously, you don't you don't always get that type of uh, you know. Well, window try of to. time. You try. Yeah, well, sure. No, no,
1: no. You normally don't get that time. You're right. Yeah. Usually it's about, I try to do 45 days. That's usually nowadays. That's kind of what I do. So I get money up front. So I got probably, let's say $8,500 down. So I made money there. So I made money off the loan. I made money off the second loan, the refinance and the purchase. And I got $8,500 down for my tenant buyer and my mortgage, or uh, the, the rent payment on that one. Um, I, was be able to cash flow monthly three hundred dollars a month cash flow on that from the sandwich. The, correct. So you're paying the mortgage, the tenant theirs. You're marking your rent up, so you're creating cash flow. And then when they go to exercise the option, I usually do two years because I want to make sure they have enough time to clean the credit up. And then when they exercise the option, then you make your money in the back end. So you make money today monthly, and then uh, tomorrow money. So that's the same lease option strategy.
0: Super, super good. I, and I want to dive in just a little bit more on that because you said something in the beginning that I've only heard one other person talk about it, and that was uh, REI Skills. <laughs> uh, what's his name? Scott?
1: Who's oh, R- yeah, yeah, the yeah. REI yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, nice REI guy. Skills.
0: REI Skills. So he would go, and it'd be like the equity protection plan, he called it, or something along those lines, where you meet with the seller, Who's got a beautiful house? They want to sell it, but they don't want to sell it. You know, it's not a handyman special, right? And they don't necessarily want to do a sub two because there's equity in the house. So, can you explain the process of like getting the seller or or explaining to the seller, not getting them to, but explaining to them the benefits of, okay, why don't we do this? I can give you what you're looking for, but you got to let's refinance the property. And then, are you creating another note? On top of that, how do, explain that a little
1: bit more, Mark. For Well, that, for one, that one I didn't. I was just refinancing the property so they could get the money to go buy another property. Got it. Because but then you took it over. Yeah, I made the payments on their behalf. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So it was um, a sub two? No, that was a, a, a sandwich lease option. So the okay. home stayed in the seller's name.
0: Got it. They were buying another house. They have two houses now in their name. Got it. And they were okay with that is because they got the money from that. And they just didn't necessarily want to sell. They didn't want to use a realtor. Or well, they something wanted
1: like to sell. They couldn't sell. Couldn't sell
0: it. That's it. it so that's a great strategy.
1: And then you provide the lease agreement to the mortgage underwriter to offset the income for the debt ratio, so they can qualify for their other property.
0: See, guys, this is why you really want to, you know, do your research, do your due diligence before you're offering these things. Again, Mark's coming from a loan officer background. So he, he knows how to explain this. He knows that the benefit to the seller is that when they go to buy that next house, he's going to make sure that the lease is in place so that it doesn't go against their uh, debt service and, and so that they're okay. The bank that's looking at it goes, okay, looks like this is being rented, your other house, so that's not going to affect your uh, your ability to purchase this house and then make those payments. So you just got to make sure you're setting it up correctly. You can't just go into it willy nilly. But um, like anything else, sometimes you do have to just kind of muddy through it and stumble through it. Well, there's still there's
1: <laughs> there's a couple more caveats. You got to make it attractive to the seller too, so you can kinda, right you can kind of give them closer to the market value, and then you show them like, hey, if I if you're going to go listen with a realtor. You're going to lose, uh, you're going to pay 6%. Then the buyer going to come in and beat you up in a price. Let's say the house is 200,000, right? What's, what's 6%? You got to pay to a realtor, okay? <clears throat> you add those numbers up. Then they're going to come in and they're going to offer you like 190. Then they're going to, if the house needs some repairs, you're going to have to fix those items. So you're going to make roughly an extra twenty to five to $30,000 selling at a lease option. Oh, by the way, we're also going to take care you of know, the maintenance and repairs on the property up to like $3,500, Anything more than that, most likely the homeowner's insurance kicks in. So you're not going to get that phone call, Mr. Seller, at two o'clock in the morning because there's a leaky toilet.
0: This is really big, guys, because the best way to sell something, as Mark was just saying, is he's giving the benefits, right? And you usually can do that. Like if you're trying to if you're trying to if you're trying to sell the reason on why someone should, you know, move forward on whatever it is that you're a you're offering them, you use statements called here 's why well here 's why it's a benefit to you mr seller here 's why it's a benefit so for some people who don't have any sales acumen, if you can just add that vocabulary here 's why you're immediately going to be giving benefits so that was really good mark um now talk a little bit let's like i want to again I want to stay here because then you mentioned something, and uh, as I was just on my high horse explaining the here 's why uh Oh, you said something about the the property management. So what's the comeback when someone goes, well, what happens if this breaks down? Am I going to be in charge of that? What is the best response? Especially, again, guys, we're talking rent to own. We're talking, again, uh, the the lease option. So when the seller is hearing this from you and they're saying, this all sounds great, but am I like a landlord? Like, am I going to have to pay for these repairs? what is the response? Well,
1: I tell them I'm setting it up where they don't have to worry about the maintenance and repairs up to $3,500. So you don't have to worry about any of those things. We're just automatically taking care of it. You don't have to worry about the lawn care. You don't have to worry about snow removal, no matter where that stuff is. Um, And what we're doing is we're just passing this on to our tenant buyer. So that's all we're doing. We're just creating the contract. You're controlling it. You're, You're controlling the real estate without owning it through a lease option strategy. So that's just, that's one way of going about it. Um, I do want to say something that you're saying about, you know, the seller kind of positioning. So in creative financing, lease option, contracts for D's, land installment sales, sub to seller finding, whatever you want to call it, you always want to listen to the seller and find out really why they're trying to sell. Okay. And then from there, you can tailor it around their needs of what you're trying to, if you can solve their problem, that's part one. And then the second part is who is your buyer? I'm always thinking, okay, if I do it, this strategy, who is my buyer going to be and how big is that buyer pool going to be? So those are the two factors whenever I'm structuring a deal on like when you're looking at it. So I'm always listening to the seller, finding out the concerns. One of the biggest things that um, you're asking about the maintenance repairs is sellers always say, well, what happens if the tenant destroys the property? I get that all the time. Well, if we're doing a sandwich lease option, we're staying in the middle of it. Okay? We can also do what's called an assignment lease option. We'll talk about that in a second. Okay? I like this. I like this. Especially, like this. especially in that, like New York, California, where you don't want to be a landlord. <laughs> right.
0: Exactly. Exactly. That's what scares me a bit. Um, well, let's let's go into it. What what are the differences and uh, and why is one better than the other? Oh, and one more thing, Mark because I think this is important too. So keep that in mind. What we just talked about, but you're also like he was just saying, guys. He's thinking about the the end buyer, so he's thinking about his exit strategy. Is what he's talking about. Like you got to have the exit strategy before you get this. You know, you want to make sure who is this going to get sold to. You don't want always. You don't want to be the one that's keeping this forever. And the other thing is because because the, the seller that you're working with doesn't want you to keep it forever either. They want to be paid off. At some point, they want to they want to make sure they Man get all their-
1: sellers. Someone, believe it or not, they love that passive income. And they don't want to pay capital gains. But yes. Very fair. Yes. Very,
0: very fair. Yeah. <laughs> we got to make sure what he first said was listening, right? Yes. Listening to what they want and what they need, number one. But then just to make sure that you do know what your exit's going to be. And the other thing I will mention, Mark, and I think you'll agree here, is that most of the properties you're looking at are not all like for an exit strategy, it's really for me anyway, I'm looking for those properties that are like, they're not the super high end luxury ones. They're just, there's always going to be a market for like that first time home buyer type property. That's clean. It's not over the, you know, the medium price. I mean, you can kind of get around that depending on what, you know, where you are, but I I just think you want to stay right in that, like no brainer. There's always going to be a market for these types of properties, right? Is that fair to say? So
1: what I do is whatever the medium price range is, I do 20% below and 20% um, above, you know, whatever it is, you go 20% below and above because that's where your buyer pool is. That's where you'd be able to move the property quicker. You know, if, say them, say if it's uh, you know, the median price range is 300,000 and you get a deal that comes in 650,000, it's going to take you forever to move that. And you're going to have to make payments on it. So Correct. there goes your whole profit. So, um, that's why I usually stay in the median price range. But back to what you're saying, I want to jump back a little bit. Um, I the rebuttal if they say if you're going to destroy the property, I would say, hey, you know what? We're going to stay in the middle of it, um, or we're going to sign it. But either way, you have homeowners, you're going to have renters insurance. So if they destroy it, they're going to cover that. So that's the easiest thing. So the Excellent. assignment is like, let's say for example, um, a seller wants too much money and there's not enough spread, or if you don't want to stay in it you can just take that contract and assign it to your end buyer and just be out of it and just be done. Well, let's go through that. Let's go through that as an example. Can you give us some numbers so people can kind of see that like via their mental chalkboard? Sure. So let's just say you put the deal together, say again, say the property is worth $250,000. You do a contract, with the seller, I'm going to do it for $250,000. We're going to agree to the rent. Then we're going to agree to the term. Let's say it's a three-year term. You go ahead and structure it all, and you're gonna then you find yourself a tenant buyer. Make sure your tenant buyer has really good income, and in some case, and you always want to also run it through a licensed RMLO, by the way, either way. So they usually have credit challenges. And then you find your tenant buyer, and they want to become a homeowner, right? And that's the key. You want to make sure that you're setting, and I can't stress this enough, um, you want to make sure you're setting up your tenant buyer that they're going to succeed, that they're going to buy the property. Do not put them into a property where you know they're going to fail. I did a video a couple of years ago. I think I sent to you guys where, and I'll tell you the story in a second. Um, I'm actually just exercising the option at a particular property two years ago. But anyways, um, you just take that and you can sell that to somebody for $5,000. You can make a quick $5,000 just assigning that contract to somebody else.
0: Awesome. Quick and awesome. easy. Awesome. Love that. You know, Great strategy. And these are all going to be in the book, right, Mark? Yes, Yes. We're oh, all going to be in there. So Guys, me, these are like $20,000, $30,000 seminars and, and masterminds you have to attend. Uh, it, the, the book's a no brainer, but keep going, Mark. This is gold.
1: Well, and, and I'm going through several different strategies, not just one. Oh, good. Well, keep it going. Let's rock. <laughs> but real quick, I want to tell you a story um, because a lot of some people say, oh, lease, lease options, they have a bad rap. Many years ago, it did have a bad rap. People, investors were taking advantage of um, some You know, tenant buyers, putting a tenant buyer into a property, you know, getting a a $10,000, $15,000 down payment, knowing they couldn't qualify or they're going to default and then evict them six months later and take their, because their option fee is considered non-refundable. So you want to do the right thing and make sure they can qualify. You have to buy Dob Frank Act that you have to make sure that they can qualify with a 45% debt to income ratio, just like a loan. You do not want to put somebody in a property that you know, and they're going to default. You know, I don't go for a huge um, option fee An option fee is the money that they put down on the property, your end buyer, that is technically non-refundable. I I, sometimes I will refund some of them back depending on the situation. But anyways, um, I had one, Um, I'm actually exercising my option on a property um, right now. I just got on a phone call. This was a two-year lease option. On this particular property, a guy uh, up in Orlando, um, he uh, had a roofing company. And on this particular one, it was only $12,000 to put down for an option fee with everything in first month, last month, security option fee was like $12,000 to move in. This guy wanted the property. He was self-employed. He owned a roofing company. And and I have actually have a video. I posted this a couple of years ago that's showing. Uh, I was on the property talking about this. um The uh gentleman won the property. So the problem was he doesn't collect. um He gets paid under the cash on a lot of the deals, right? And he didn't want to report it. And I'm like, well, you know, you're going to have to report this income because you're going to have to be able to qualify in two years to get your loan. And he goes, no, nope, no, nope, no. Nope. He goes, I don't want to record. It. I said, I'm not going to be able to do it. He goes. I'll give you $24,000. He was willing to double the down payment and option fee, $24,000. Wow. But I knew that he wasn't going to qualify in two years because he didn't show income. Mm. I could have taken this guy's $24,000 and no, he wasn't. I couldn't do it. So you want to make sure you do the right thing. I ended up taking somebody else. I didn't have the full down payment. And I he ended up doing a payment plan for the six months, of the remaining balance and get this. This, this was, you know, the market's been hot. <clears throat> I went under contract with the seller for $170,000, sold it to my tenant buyer for two hundred nine, dollars and we're going through the process right now, and it's worth $267,000. So my end buyer is going to get a steal and technically my end buyer didn't notify me in time that he wanted to buy the property you have to notify your and make sure you guys are aware of this you have to if you're exercising the option you have to have a, so many notices to your sell to your seller so technically i don't have to sell this to my end buyer i could technically take it to 170 and go to one but i'm not going to do that he's actually get um he's actually getting qualified for the loan but what happened was on this one is um the seller, um, because she doesn't want to pay crazy capital gains, we're actually going to close the first week of January. So we're all on the same page. So, so that that's deal. That's insane. That's yeah. awesome. So that's that deal. And that's
0: just like, that's a holistic approach to creative finance and, and lease options and doing it the right way because, you know, it, it's a small world, right, Mark? I mean, it's just
1: do it, the right thing. It, it is. And that's the thing about creative financing is because you can, it, it can bring you to an ethical line and put you right there because you're you're you want to do the right thing if that makes sense. You can easily cross that line because you know, oh, I can make an extra $30,000. Don't just do the right thing. You know, you really need to. You know, so that and that's just one. So that's let's jump into another strategy. Let's talk about a property that needs repairs. Let's do it. You know, in in our power play group, somebody sent a, a video last night about a guy doing what I'm going to talk about. Um, and they're starting to the market out there. It's called novations. So I do novations in creative financing strategies, but I don't call it novations, but if you people out there that are listening, a novation, if you know what it is, I actually do it in um, creative financing. So I actually have one right now. Um, I actually got two of them right now. So, um, this particular one needs roughly about $20,000 worth of work. It needs a new kitchen, new bathrooms. It needs all the repairs, blah, blah, blah. Got the seller on board, he's willing, and he's got a mortgage. So he's willing to sell it on a land contract. So it's another creative strategy. So it's a hybrid between a subject to and, and just in case you don't know what a subject to is, you can take a property over subject to the existing mortgage and a lease option. So this is a hybrid of in between. Okay. So I negotiated with the seller. Um, we'll go ahead and buy it for the price. Okay whatever the price was, and whatever the payment was. I don't remember exactly. I think it's like, uh, ni- it's $1,900 a month. So that's kind of how we're structuring it. But it needs work. So, and the reason why I don't do a lease option, because if you're going to put money into a property, you want to have more control and equitable interest. And that's why a contract for deed. You actually have more equitable interest in a property. Versus you don't want to go put $20,000 in, into a property that's a lease option that you don't own. So that's why you want to have more of equitable interest. I would recommend seller financing, but if they have a mortgage, then you want to do a land contract or contract for deed, depending on your state.
0: Yeah. Cause in New York state, there's land, you can do a land contract, right? But you yeah. can't do that in Texas or something, I guess. Yeah.
1: And they have different rules. Well, they call them differently in different States. They call installment sale, land contract, contract for deed, you know, different things, but they're all the same thing. It's a, a lot of a contract that you can do. So in this particular one, I negotiate with a seller. I'm like, okay, because we're going to have to put $25,000 into this property, you know, cause they, they don't have the money to fix it up and get it ready. I negotiated three months with no, um, no mortgage payments to the seller. And it's a seven um, amortized at uh, 30 years with a seven year balloon. Mm. Okay. So then what I did is I market it uh, as a handyman special. The It's a seller finance with a financing already in place. For the end buyer, but then they also have to put money into the property to fix it up so they can hand it. And then what I did, because I'm not going to stay in the middle, I'm doing a ten thousand dollar assignment fee. I'm gonna instead of them having to pay it, I'm going to finance that assignment fee over a year. So they're gonna pay me that my assignment fee. So I'm doing a note. On the property for my assignment fee of ten thousand dollars that they're going to pay. It's actually twelve thousand dollars assignment fee. So I'm going to get cash flow coming off that assignment fee because that you want that buyer to put all his money into the property because it's difficult to come up with twenty five thousand dollars plus give the seller you know ten thousand dollars plus pay them an assignment fee ten thousand dollars. It's very difficult to find somebody that's going to have sixty thousand dollars to put down on a property.
0: Right that couldn't go through it like a more traditional way, yes, you can find the oddball, but yeah, why not set it up so that you're giving this person a great head start and a great uh way to get- in, you know and do a property with success rather than Correct. you know you waiting around to find somebody so um no, that's excellent, so let's dive into one or two more strategies because sure. this is great sure. um I guess what is your favorite strategy like what is the what is one that you use? pretty much consistently. And then I guess, Mark, actually, what's a question that you're asking? Like, what's the hook? Like, I, I got to imagine that there's a, like a question that you're maybe asking in that first lead. Like, I know one of them is like, hey, would you, would you rent to me for a
1: year, right? Not and, a year. And where did, Not a year. Okay. Go ahead. Explain would you this. In your script, would you be willing to rent your property to us um, for a few years and then we close on it and we'll take care of the maintenance repairs on the property?
0: And that gives them a lot of intrigue, right? Now they're intrigued. Like, what is this all about? And then you get on the phone and then you talk to them and then you're you're explaining the situation, right? And so what what does that look like though? Is it like, hey, yeah, so this is what we do. This is what my company does all the time. And uh, we're going to place a high level type of an executive who might have the income. They might be self-employed, but they just don't have the credit. Or they just haven't built up that credit because they're self-employed. Or maybe there was a divorce. But for whatever reason, they are a top-tier level person, level candidate. They're just not able to get a mortgage currently. So that's why we want to rent for a few years, help them build up that credit. And then by that time, after two, three, four years, they're going to be able to uh, be approved for a mortgage. And then we can get you right out. and, uh, And at the same time, you're making
1: cash flow. Through the rent, is that fair to say? Exactly, that's a, you hit the nail on the head. Exactly, that's it. And then, and if and they stop paying, which I never had an issue, we're still going to keep paying, so you don't have to worry about it. Exactly, you don't have to worry about any. of that. You're getting that monthly payment, so you don't have to worry about. It. And that, actually, I'm going through one as you know, up in Massachusetts right now. Yes, where, you are. And it, so explain that too. So go, let's go in the bad because there's some good, and then what's the bad? So what, what's so funny is when I started writing this book, I actually used them as an example of the book and it totally i probably should do a version 2 cuz it totally changed so what happened was um i purchased this one on a subject to and um and this couple uh, it was up in boston area this couple um husband and wife and two children um it was a town home really wanted this property they didn't have the they didn't have the full down payment they begged me begged me begged me they wanted this property and she had some um she was on disability, which is no big deal. I don't, I don't, I don't care about that as long as they can qualify. They qualified perfectly fine. So I closed in May uh with them, or actually June 1st, my bad. I closed with the seller late May, did a contract with them that took place June 1st. So it went into that. So it went into it. So in my agreements, my tenant buyers are always responsible for maintenance and repairs. Okay. So uh about uh a, a couple a week or two before Thanksgiving. Um, they had some type of plumbing issue. So they didn't want to buy the property because they mm. they didn't know welcome to home, welcome to the real world of being a homeowner. Ah, uh, right. <laughs> you know, so and she but she said that she's got lupus, she can't go up and down the stairs, you know, she's got health issues. And I said, okay, no problem. This is what we'll do, is I will um, because they put 8500 dollars down as an option fee that's non-refundable. I said, okay, no problem. Um, what we'll do is I will go ahead and find a tenant, another replacement for you, another tenant buyer. And once we get the, once I get the money down from them, I'll go ahead and refund your money back. I was just going to swap them out. That's all I was going to do. Sure. And then, you know, the holidays coming, she goes, Hey, do you mind if I stay during the holidays? I'm sure. No, no problem. You know, we'll just keep everything as is. Um, we'll do the holidays. I said, just do me a favor, give me 60 days notice. So then we can start marketing the property to find your replacement. And in the meantime, we'll just keep everything as is. Okay, she was all fine with it, blah, blah, blah. Christmas came then. Um, so then around between the week, I think around between Christmas and New Year, she goes, okay, I'm gonna be looking for a property. Uh, We're we'll gonna be moving out like at end of March, okay? I said, okay, no problem, you keep everything. Well, what happened was um, up in Boston, they had a couple of days in January, mid-January, that was really cold, where it was below freezing, and they didn't have the temperature correct downstairs. Pipes burst. Oh God. Right. So I'm like, okay. Um, don't forget you're responsible for maintenance repairs. He goes, well, no, we can't take care of it. Blah, blah, blah. I said, we're keeping everything as is if you don't want to, if you don't want to take care of the property, um, I'll take care of it, but I'm just going to take it out of the option fee. That's when all shit hit the fan mm. after that point, she just you know stopped wanting to pay. And, um, she went and, uh, deducted, uh, a thousand dollars for a microwave off the rent you know oh, It's just all that stuff kind of went sideways and um and then one of them got covid and i'm like well you know because during the covid process um there's a lot of state programs or people getting money i'm like hey here's a link fill out the application try to help get you some money so i i literally was trying to help them out you know going through the whole process and then um then uh then at the end of may um april i've even was offering Um, to give them the money out because they stopped paying. I'm like, here's your money, go. And um, so then they come to find out, they started learning the rules and on the whole process and they just stopped paying completely. So I'm Ah. still going to process. So it's uh, almost 10 months at $2,500 a piece. And I guess the place is destroyed. And I was willing to give them the money back and everything to help them out. And um, and then they just kind of saying, oh, I'm misled, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, hey, everything... Like they're saying, oh, I didn't sell this as a rent to own. I'm like, go to the Zillow. The Zillow ad is still up. It says rent to own right on it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I actually, the call was recorded of the whole conversation of everything. But because of Massachusetts, both parties need to be aware of the phone call recorded and I didn't do it. So I can't use that in court. So oh, now, God, yeah. So now I just record everything. When I do it, I do everything on Zoom and go through the contract and everything. So do that to make sure. So, but I mean- out of all my deals, I mean, it's very, very rare that that happens. And in this one, I kind of took personally because they begged me and I felt bad and I really went out of my way to help them. And I really, off like the $8,500, I didn't have to give it back and I was willing to give it all back. I went over and beyond and uh, and now they're just kind of just use, using, they have an attorney now and just they're lying about everything at this point, just to trying to, just trying to live there for rent free. That's pretty much they're working the system.
0: Yeah, they're squatting right now,
1: uh, yeah. essentially. Yeah,
0: yeah. It, that, but this is good to hear, guys, because this happens.
1: But there's a lot of equity in that deal still, so that's kind of that's good. You well, know. you
0: got to buy it right, just like you did. And but again, you know, one bad one can ruin four of the good ones that you have currently. I mean, truthfully, so you got to be ge- very careful. But at the same time, um, you know, this is something where, in my opinion, Mark, I know a lot of people start with lease options. I know a lot of people start with wholesaling. I think what has really been our benefit is we we didn't start with this stuff. We we started with rentals first and with the BRRRR strategy borrowing money, you know, using hard money, buying, burning it out and building our our portfolio that way. And then that way we learned a ton. You know, we learned about being landlords. We learned about being property managers. We learned about, you know, financing. And then as time went on, we learned the creative side. I know not everybody has that luxury where they can find hard money and they can do all those things, but it's really been a big benefit to us because this is stuff that for me in my mental, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a couple advanced steps. Um, you, have, you have to be really, really careful about this, but at the same time, it's great that people can get into properties without any money down, but again, you just got to be careful. I don't know. I, I think it's great, but it,
1: you just got to know what you're doing. I agree 100%. You want to, I would recommend starting out doing assignments first. You need to make sure that you can carry a property for six months, especially if it's going to be in a blue state. If it's right. a blue state where it's harder to get those people out, um, and I don't want to get political. I'm just It is what it is. And that's they just have more, or I shouldn't say blue state, I should say um, more uh, tenant friendly states. Right. Versus landlord. So you just want to, you don't want to hold it unless you have enough six months of reserves on that one. I'm actually bringing an investor into that one because I'm just to the point where I'm like, okay, there's still enough there. I'm tired of bleeding. So I'm just bringing somebody into it and that let him kind of take pitching into that particular one. So there's enough meat in the bone on that one. Um, But I would recommend doing assignments and build your bank account up first. Um, But I, I didn't learn like you did. I like to do um, I hate being a landlord. No offense.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like <laughs> no, I
1: like to uh, control the paper and make money. I like creating the arbitrage. That's what I mm. like. I just like the money coming in. You have your buyer, you have the right tenant buyer that is good qualified, that's going to take care of the property and your seller. No matter what it is, if it's a lease option, contract for deed or subject to, no matter what that is, that's kind of what I like. And let's just jump, jump in real quick on a subject to, just so you guys are aware of that. Sure. So a subject to is... When you're taking over a property from a seller, you're actually transferring it out of the site, the seller's name into your name and keeping the mortgage in place. And this is a super, super advanced strategy and make sure you definitely know what you're doing on the strategy. Um, So because you can... You, if you don't know what you're doing, you can do what's called triggering the mortgage. And if the lender finds out, they can actually call the mortgage due. And a lot of these loans have low interest rates around like two and a half, three 3%. And I'm starting to see this happen. And now the interest rates are at seven and a half percent. I'm starting to see the lenders actually call the loans due because they can pull that, take that capital and redeploy it and um, put their capital to work at a higher interest rate. So you gotta be careful of that. I like to put stuff into a trust. Um, so it m- makes it look more like a family trust and yes. the lenders don't see it. But if you're transferring it into your name or an LLC and it's public record, the lender will be able to see it and they can call it due. So just be careful of that. And then also the same thing, make sure that you have um, enough money in reserves and it's an advanced strategy. And I would recommend if you're going to do that to make sure you do it. I don't do that strategy unless they're, they're behind in the mortgage and I'm coming out of pocket quite a bit of money. Um, like roughly I, the last one I did, I came out of pocket $20,000 of being a mortgage current. Um, so that's when you want to take possession and you want to control it. If you're going to put that much money into the property, you want to have a lot more control of it, but make sure that you have enough reserves on it too. So super good. Yeah. And normally I'll sell them on a lease option or assignment and make a, do an assignment and do it as a note. So you can create monthly cash flow coming in that way as well.
0: That's so good. I, there are so many different ways of doing it, Mark. And it's just, you know, Again, being a five tool player, having every single tool in your tool belt so that we're not just looking at everything like, uh, you know, like everything's a nail and you're a hammer where it's like, I got to just give you 50 cents on the dollar. I got it. You know, I have to be able to wholesale this or flip this. No, you don't need to do that. If you can certainly buy things, you can buy pretty homes and you can do that through sub two. You can do that through a lease option. You can do that through, you know, sandwich lease. I mean, you can do that on a wrap. So there's so many different ways of doing it. And that's why real estate is so fun because whether you like to be a flipper, whether you like to be a landlord, like you just said, like I want to just control the paper. There's so many ways of making money and you can constantly evolve too. Cause things are constantly changing because if the interest, interest rates are higher, you got to do something a little different. If they're lower, you can do something different. Um, that's unbelievable, buddy. It is. I love
1: it. And then, and then you can also take this to another whole level. Like I'm doing like um, a multifamily land development, 145 doors right? And we're built outside of Charlotte. So you can do those with sellers too and bring the seller into the deals if the land's free and clear and create Mm. more of a creative financing strategy and then use the land as leverage to be able to get your financing for the construction. So there's a lot of things in there that you can, so learn with the basics, and then you can take that to another whole animal. And then the beauty about it is once you start to understand it, you end up creating a deal that is not even a name for it. If that makes sense, you just kind of put the deal together with you and a seller and a buyer. Just, so it's a win for everybody, but just make sure that you also on some of these, you have to be careful because like Texas, um, or if you're doing an assignment, like I think, um, uh Philly, Illinois, and I want to say Oklahoma, you can't do assignments. So you got to make sure you're on top of your regulations within your state. And you also need to make sure your end buyer and how you're putting the end buyer in there is that you're some dob Frank stuff. So you know you have to know a little bit more than just we're out here saying, hey, go run and do this. So you know, do do a little research and um and that's one of the things I do in my book. I have a whole resource section of talking Mm. about things like, you know, I do a barcode and it goes to a website. So because who knows in the book, you know, five years, different things and different strategies. So I'll I'll be always updating that over time.
0: That's so good. And, uh, you know, like you said, I think this is one area where you really want to have a potential mentor or a coach to kind of walk you through it. The book is a great resource and that's going to be a great way to really kind of find out, maybe in this certain situation when you're talking to a seller, hey, this way of acquisition might be a perfect fit for this person, right? So you want to constantly be educating yourself and also be talking to people who maybe have done it before. Um, Mark, let, let's get to the speed round because we I want to be cognizant of your time here. Uh, but this has been great. Again, what's the book title and where can they find it?
1: It's uh, called Creative Real Estate Investing. It's first going to be on Amazon. Uh, That's where we're launching it there. And then uh, from there, we'll see about putting it into other stores and whatnot. But that's what is called called, creative real estate investing. Um, So October 21st. Love it. Okay.
0: So if there is one metric that you could track in your business, what do you choose? What's the metric that you're looking at maybe on like a daily or maybe not daily, but a monthly or maybe a quarterly
1: basis that is critical to your business? Funds going into my bank account. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <No>. <laughs> seriously no. i agree yeah it is really one of the main metrics i mean because you're always in real estate you kind of get pulled in different directions sometimes and depending on the market condition um depending on what's going on you might be going down a different strategy we're always constantly learning different things like now i'm been i spent eight months going down the whole land development and learning all that so it's kind of but usually um metrics would be that yeah definitely that and then i would say um you know the number of the leads coming in yeah you know leads coming in and then um offers going out and, and then contracts,
0: yeah all of those make sense and and certainly uh, you know what is the net income that you're getting every month or every day or every week it, it, it's certainly something you guys got to be looking at your bank accounts uh every day
1: now one of the things and I always been preaching this and i I've learned this in all my different businesses and i I learned this actually from um one of my uh, business partners that I was a business partner for years is like, we, we always plastered it all over our office and he was the the coach of it. And we all just, it became a culture is always work closest to the money. Always work closest to the money. Cause you get pulled in t- so many different directions, you know, Oh, I got to get this. There's a sell that needs a new contract, but wait, we have a hug closing over here. We got to review always in your business model of whatever you're doing and you're teaching a your people always work closest to the money and build your systems based off that flow.
0: No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Love that. Okay. Um what book do you recommend real estate investors or either, or just business owners or or uh you know people who have a side hustle looking to you know get a full-time turn it into a full-time hustle. You know what what's a book or maybe what's the most recent book that you read that you think
1: uh, has been very helpful? Well, my favorite one that really motivated me and really got me going is Rich Dad Poor Dad, which we all know. Um So that, that's probably my number one. Um, never split the difference.
0: I agree. Never split the difference has been huge. Learned a ton about mirroring and all those great things that you need when you're going to sell, you know, you have to, you have to, you have to, okay. Love that.
1: Then, um, what's the book I'm trying to remember the one by Earl Nightingale, um, the old one, um, About your mindset, that's a great book by Earl Nightingale. I mean, he's an old timer. He he did it on a record, and it was played over. I don't know if you know if you know who Earl Nightingale is. I've listened to him on YouTube. I love it. Oh, he's He's great. He's got a great voice. He's got a great voice. He he reminds me of like my grandfather. You know what I mean? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And um, it's just, I just like you know, um, using the analogies of like you know, like a big ship at sea. Of like, how is it going to know where to go? You know, you have to plant its course to go to end up at its location or or planting seeds into the ground and you now if you're going to plant you know toxic seeds in the ground and they and it's going to be poison that grows or versus planting nice beautiful roses or daisies that grow so those mm. are that his book just was just I can still remember it to this day
0: yeah that hit you hard i uh, it's an old I, time. I I
1: watched that was like years ago
0: <laughs> well, those older guys really knew what they were doing. I mean, like, I think everybody kind of copied, like, the Nightingale, the, you know, the, the, the Wayne Dwyers, the Jim Rohns, right? Those guys are, like, classic. You could go back. A lot of people who have no clue about those guys, oh, go on YouTube, Jim Rohn. I mean, it's insane what he, he offered, and it's all on YouTube. You can get all this stuff on YouTube. Um, okay, what did you do, or what do you do to intentionally network or mastermind and do you have any slick tricks with that because i know you do i know you have a slick trick
1: i usually keep this one to myself i don't know if we should put it out there
0: (laughs) well i think it's a good trick i think it's uh it's important for people to hear it come on give it up
1: i i I, you guys know it so um to raise capital what i tend to do is i go to i look for conventions depending on your area um i'm in uh, boca raton florida so um I don't know if you guys know what, you know what the family office is, right, Marty? Why don't you, kind of, why don't you tell everybody what that is?
0: Yeah, family office, from what I'm familiar with, is that it's a, it's almost like a financial advising group for of extremely wealthy family. And that's literally their job is to just maintain that wealth that they have. So they have a legitimate business Uh, Advisory or a financial advisory within their, let's just say, Grisani. My family hired these people. All they're doing every day is just making sure how do
1: we stay wealthy, and that's their job. Yep, Uh, like Michael Dell. You know, he's got you know he's got a group that invests his money, so they're constantly investing. So they do a um, they have um, meetups uh, um, different places, but they have one down at Key Biscayne in Miami at the Ritz-Carlton. And to get in there, it's like five thousand dollars, something like crazy. So what I do is I will go down and just go to the lobby bar and just hang out at the lobby bar, have a drink. And guess where they always end up after the show or after their meeting, they always, and you just network. Um, I do that. The other one I did is um there's a cardiac convention that was out in Las Vegas. I had literally jumped on the plane, flew out to Las Vegas, did the exact same, found out where the convention was and just hung out at the lobby bar and just network. And that's how you end up raising capital.
0: Unbelievable. It's such a slick trick you're just thinking outside the box and uh, really that's, you go to those conventions for those moments at the bar, having a glass of wine, having a whiskey, talking to somebody next to you who's also there, and uh, all of a sudden, you, you're a Facebook friend, and all of a sudden, they see what you're doing, they reach out, or you reach out to them, and then boom, uh, deals are getting done. And
1: it is. It doesn't happen overnight. You, you become friends with them through social media, and you start, and then they start seeing what you're doing, and it just kind of evolves from there. I, I'm to a point where I don't even have to call them up and ask. I mean, people are reaching out to me that's where we want to be. It's all through
0: marketing. If the better the marketer you are, the less sales you have to do. Um, if you lost it all, Mark, this is my last question for you. If you lost it all today,
1: what would you do? How would you come back? Lease options. And then just the creative financing stuff. I I mean, it's just, I, I know it so well. I mean, it's, it's the easiest way to start with no money down. Um, I started that before wholesaling. Wholesaling is good too, but it's just so saturated, um, especially in the market softer, your buyer. So you have to look at who your buyer is. You know, the market's changed. We've talked about this like, you know, last year the deal, the deal itself used to be the gold. Now, in my opinion, I think the buyer is more the gold. There's more deals that come across unless unless you really cut yourself a sweet deal you know but most of them are using the old math and that math in today's market it's harder to do so so you just look at that so that's what i would do super
0: good because i think people can set themselves apart by learning creative finance strategies because the majority of people do not know how to Set these up. They don't know how to, you know, go about in selling the seller on these, or I should say, educating the sellers on these, being that consultant, giving them that option like, hey, this is a better option for you, and here is why. And then letting them pick, well, Mr. Seller, I could give you either 50 cents on the dollar, or I could buy it this way, and here's how it would work for you, and here's why it would work for you, because I do it all the time. Guys, that is the show. If you want any f- more information, go to Amazon, buy the book, look up Mark Monroe, listen to our podcast, The Real Estate Power Play, continue to listen to my podcast, like, and subscribe to our Facebook channel or our YouTube channel, our Facebook. Mark, anything you want to leave these uh, folks with?
1: No, it's been great. And uh, Marty, I've you know, it's been an amazing uh, ride the last few years as, uh, you know, we met the mastermind back in the day. So it was a great time. That's why masterminds and networking
0: is great guys. Cause you never knew who you're going to meet. Mark changed our business. And, uh, with the information in the book, he's going to change yours. Peace. Thank you for tuning into the Marty Grisani show. If you're listening on Apple podcast, leave us an honest rating and review. If you're on Spotify, make sure you follow us for weekly episodes.